Hello and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show we celebrate the creation of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes so I can help our talented friends get as much exposure as possible. We would also appreciate if you could support our artists by following them on their individual platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do this are in the episode description. In this horrific tale, a pair of sister wives come close to breaking point as their cult life takes its toll. Join us now as we present Burnt Chapel by Cody Etchelbegger. Rule 1. Never cross the boundary. Paul made the rule perfectly sound before she drifted off from the remote cabin in the woods to where the stream came together at a sharp angle. It was forbidden to cross the stream and she knew Paul had his ways of finding out whether or not she was actually doing it. She approached the sandbank with a plastic bucket in her right hand and her feet in the water. Minnows gathered there for their morning feeding. The sun had not risen yet, but it was clear enough to see the mist world three feet above the grey. I wish Bethany were here to see this, she thought. She reached down and touched the surface of the water with her fingertips. Cold waves radiated up her forearm and sent shivers down to her toes. What she wanted was to get a little closer so she could take a sip. Nothing felt more enriching than the field chilled water rolled down a dry esophagus, a brief gift that only lasts three seconds. But rules were rules and must be followed. A cold drink would have to wait. Eva reached for the plastic bucket she carried with her and struck half of it into the water. She listened to the bottom fill up rapidly. When the steel handle began to bend in the middle, she pulled it up with intense strength. Making sure the bucket was free from debris, she rushed towards the bank with the heavyweight bucket by her side. Time was of the essence. You got this, Eva, she thought. You may not make it out of the woods in one piece, but with some elbow grease you can work wonders. Ava forgot how peaceful it was in the woods. Woodpeckers worked like lumberjacks, hammering their beaks into the wood. The sound travelled far and beyond, like somebody knocking something thin and hollow. She rested by the lonesome hemlock, wiping beads of sweat from her brow. Other than the hard-working pecker, somewhere south of Ava, the woods remained silent. From time to time the heads of the pines would sway, which would make this creepy creaking sound. She looked up to the pines in the sky. The sun started to rise. Time to get moving. Her feet carried her down at her trail, weakened by so many trips to the stream. No longer than a mile, the trail was crafted by Paul himself, without the use of machinery. The trail demanded time, consumption and dedication. A month of solid work did the tricks, thanks to a shovel, some rain and shallow coating of shale. Over time, the trail moulded itself into a god-given masterpiece. Eva batted the mosquitoes from her face. Dozens buzzed nearby like devils with wings. Thirsty for fresh blood, they ignored Eva's phenols and began to torment. Darn things, she whispered. Girls were taught at an early age to wear dresses, and sometimes skirts given the occasion. Permission granted by the husband, the first wife was often permitted the luxury to wear skirts, while other wives shared by the same husband wore nothing else than blue or white dress. Eva wore a robin egg skirt, and when she looked down at the trim, she spotted something that often haunted her nightmares. A rush of anxiety swept through her body like a ghost as she settled the bucket of water on the carpet of pine needles. With her heart pulsing and forehead wet with perspiration, she pinched the trim of her dress and rubbed it raw. The water from all the brisk walking had leapt from inside the bucket and landed on the trim. Anyone who knew Paul knows that he had the temper of a jackal. If you would have seen the wet spot in that dress, Ava worked her fingers into the fabric until the wet spot faded completely. Sure, there was an imprint in the fabric from all the rubbing, but sure enough, the spot was gone. She took a breather before reaching for the bucket again, making sure not to spill any more. That was the good news. The bad news? Too much time was wasted on listening to singing birds and wet spots. Things were to escalate quickly if Paul wasn't on another of his hunting trips. 
She imagined them at the cabin, raising a ruckus over a bucket of water, and since it wouldn't be delivered in time, Ava would get the shaft. With no time to waste, she walked at a steady pace. She thought about Bethany and what she was up to at the cabin. Paul didn't leave the cabin, Ava imagined he would put the woman to work. God knows there was plenty of it, especially when Paul would be out hunting with his bow for hours in the end, leaving them stuck in the cabin for hours throughout the day with no one to talk to. Six years sounds like pennies and dimes to a city dweller, but deep in the Pennsylvania woods, it feels like a lifetime. Those six years were spent on obeying Paul's strict rules of marriage for his satisfaction, not hers. Every day wasn't a total loss. Eva learned throughout the years that Paul craved sexual pleasure with his women. If he was happy beneath the covers, he was happy everywhere else. But sometimes that happiness dies down, and they're left to clean up the mess. Eva and Bethany called Paul's temper swings flares. Every time he'd get mad, he was on a flare. She could only remember one time when the flare was so bad. He had broken Bethany's left arm with a skillet because she had cooked his eggs for too long. Luckily, Eva knew how to treat the broken bone by making a sling out of a shirt, but the lasting effect from the broken arm caused Bethany to have aches and pains every now and then. Sometimes when Bethany would extend her arm the wrong way, the whole arm would go numb, followed by a pins and needles sensation. The trail rose above a mossy bank, where the opening in the trees led Eva to a small clearing. Five yards from the opening stood a wooden chapel and its three stained glass windows. The forest green shingled roof came up at an angle, where a steel cross, handcrafted by Paul himself, shot into the cloudy sky. A rose garden surrounded the chapel on three sides. Aside from the rose garden, the chapel remained hidden due to overgrowth of vegetation. Three bushes climbed along the left side of the religious structure, rising above the cross. Grapes grew there as well as a raspberry tree. Paul's cabin stood nearby to the chapel, perhaps an additional five yards behind it. The cabin was a two-story building constructed of pine. The logs were dark and preserved with chemicals to prevent insects from eating their way through. Porcupines used to be a problem, as they gradually chew their way through the wood. Paul fixed that problem by pumping them full of buckshot. It's been three years since he's seen a porcupine. The cabin stood on a small hill, which overlooked the valley for several miles. As for many cabins in the area, this was not one in bad shape. Having six windows on the second floor stretching across the front panel, two windows on the first floor, and a screened-in porch, it looked like a residential paradise. Two hemlocks towered over the shingled roof from both sides, creeping their bony limbs across the porch. At night when the moon is bright, these limbs could be seen from the front yard. One could easily mistake them for skeleton arms. Their roots had grown beneath the porch, causing the boards to uplift from their once stationary state. Nothing could be done about the boards, except for removing the hemlocks completely. Damage from the shift also affected the porch beams. Ava took the bucket of water towards the right side of the porch, where she was greeted with a screen door. She opened it, releasing a sigh of relief, and walked in. The porch appeared dark from the overcast outside. The boards were hidden beneath a green carpet and three rocking chairs. Two of the chairs were rocking on their own at the other end of the porch, while the other rocked a steady pace in the dark corner of Ava's right. A figure occupied the chair. A shadow danced off the cabin's side in a steel wooden sign, with green lettering that read, Lot 406. Ava stood by the door with a bucket by her side. She stared at the window while her heart raced nearly out of its cage. Her eyes began at the thick black boots, which met the trim of blue denim. The light disappeared by the knees at which the darkness quickly took over. The figure wore a flannel shirt tucked inside a black belt. His arms were too long for the rocking chairs, causing his veiny hands to dangle off the wood. His long hair came to the base of his shoulders, grey and ugly looking. Hades did not do any favours for this man. As for his face, it remained a mystery behind the curtain of darkness. He rocked there in silence for a few moments before he spoke for the first time. His voice was deep and raspy, as if he had just gotten done with a nasty coughing spell. Ava trembled. You're late, the raspy voice said. The face remained hidden from her. Goosebumps covered her arms. I'm sorry, Paul, she replied. Please, God, don't let him see the wet spot, she prayed. 
How long have you been living here, Ava? Her eyes dropped to the bucket of water. It was still not a single ripple. Six years? Six years, he replied, nodding as if to confirm her answer. The rocking chair abruptly blasted the side of the cabin, rattling the lot 406 sign on its rusty nail. The man rose from the darkness and into the light, crossing the porch towards the wooden railing. His sea blue eyes captured the valley below them. Ava spied on the bucket again, making sure there wasn't a drop missing before his eyes settled on the blue checkered flannel he was wearing. Whoa, we have colour, everybody. His rough hands, like bear claws, dug into the wood. In those six long years with me, what have you learned? Not to waste time. He nodded while scratching his beard, which is more of a light brown than grey. He turned his head towards Ava, keeping his body still. A devilish grin stretched across his face, causing his sharp cheekbones to writhe. You've wasted a plenty, haven't you? It won't happen again, she said, reaching for the bucket. Instantly, Paul's presence was close, when she found him within inches away from her face. Every hair in his face was accounted for as he breathed into her eyes. Remember the rules, he said. Deviate just one. I'll bury you six feet underground. God knows I will. Understand? I understand. She picked the bucket of water up from the porch and walked into the cabin. She didn't say another word. It was late in the afternoon. Eva took one of the buckets and poured the water into the sink basin. Their lifestyle in Lot 406 was primitive and very basic. Running water did not exist here. Face and hand washing took place at the sink basin. Baths were upstairs. The downstairs consisted of an open room. Three beams separated the room into three different sections. The kitchen area and living room were to the right of the cabin, whereas an empty space with three bookshelves were to the left by the staircase. The walls were all made of pine, just as the outside. Everything looked so brown that even Eva felt like it was wooden at times. She stood by the sink with her wet hands in the basin. Sick in the stomach, she cupped her hands together and brought her face forward. Bethany came up from behind and wrapped her arms around Eva's abdomen. You're scaring me, Bethany said. Eva jumped with fright as beads of water rolled down her cheeks. She dried them and faced Bethany who was red in the face. She wore a grey dress and white bonnet. Eva always thought that Bethany was the prettiest one. She imagined that's why Paul married Bethany, but there was more to the story. Bethany learned how to cook at a very young age, and she was a wicked wizard at gardening. How so? Bethany wrapped her fingers around Ava's thin pelvis. You're nothing but skin and bones. If you keep doing this, Ava, there will be nothing left of you. Are you eating anything? Just dinner. Ava! Just stop it, please! Bethany pressed her lips together while tightening the straps of her bonnet. I just don't get it. Why do you do it then? Bethany asked. Is it for yourself or for him? Ava paused before providing an answer to the difficult question. It makes me feel better. Bethany did not look convinced. Well, whatever it is you have, it's going to kill you someday, Ava. Best keep an eye on it before your slim eating habits go too far. I wouldn't like to see you end up in the grave before your 25th birthday. A moment of silence crept between them at the table. The fireplace was to the left of Ava, an empty vessel that hasn't breathed in amber in weeks. The season of summer was coming to a gradual end. A plate of turkey sandwiches sat in the centre, while broccoli, cauliflower and tomatoes surrounded it. Bethany looked up from her empty plate and grinned. Ava frowned. Eating felt like a chore to her, something she was better off not bothering with. Paul joined them at the table. He held out his hands to them. They accepted. Ava, he said, would you lead us in prayer? Oh no, she thought. So unpredictable. What should I pray about? If there's anything in this world I hate, it's been put on the spot to such an embarrassing ritual. How cruel of this man to make me do it. So cruel. Ava, he shouted. Saliva squirted the shiny table before him as he settled the sapphire jewels in her blushed cheeks. Maybe Beth ought to sit you down and teach you the hours of time, considering you must have forgotten it. What is with you today? Get on with it before I get irritated. In sudden panic, Ava closed her eyes. 
thought of anything she could to make this man happy. Bless us food, Lord, she prayed. Give us strength to continue each day in your grace. Keep Paul safe when he hunts. Watch over Bethany throughout her day and keep our garden fruitful. Thank God it's over, Eva thought, weeping on the inside. When they finished lunch, Paul went upstairs to dress up in his hunting gear while Bethany and Eva washed the dishes. Washing dishes became a norm in their daily life, while Paul would hike half a day hunting game. But there was more than washing dishes at the cabin. There were other chores that must be completed before Paul's return. These chores consisted of dusting all the wood, because dust chews through wood over time. Paul never liked dust, and he had a knife for it. Sometimes when they weren't paying attention, he'd swipe his finger across the rails or along the walls for any sign. He'd look beneath the couches, the beds, and the dressers for dust bunnies, and God help him if he found any sign. Paul came down the steps and turned left where the girls were standing. He wore a camouflage shirt tucked into his blue denim. Even new clothes like that existed on the outside of their little world. They were required to sew their own. He fixed his sleeves before approaching the closet door. He opened it and fetched his bow. The apparatus was an intimidating piece of hunting machinery. It could hold several arrows along the side. It even featured a ruby eyepiece for accuracy. He held it in the light, like He-Man pointing his magnificent sword into the sky. You will finish your chores while I'm gone. He slipped his arm through the bow and opened the front door. A September breeze chilled them both. Before he left, he approached his two wives, kissed them on the cheek and threw on a baseball cap with the Phillies logo stitched in the white thread. He headed out, closing the door behind him. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our social media pages. You can also give the channel support by visiting our merchandise store and picking up some of our items. Please also take a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to the show. Check out the links in the description how you can do this. Well, that just leaves me to say, until next time my friends, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>